A rogue, dead spy satellite is plummeting toward Earth. At impact, it will cause devastation, a toxic spill that could cover the area the size of two football fields. This satellite has to be taken out. This is not a retread Hollywood movie with a superhero soaring in to save the day. No, this actually happened. But there was no superhero or savior from another planet to fly in and redirect the satellite. Instead, a company and its team was tasked to ensure a missile would strike the satellite's fuel tank while the satellite was moving at 17,000 miles an hour. The satellite was the size of a school bus, and the fuel tank was the size of just one seat on a bus. So how do we avoid the inevitable? And what company did we trust with the mission? Companies can get caught up in their own technology. They can get caught up in their own products. And if you do that, that's a recipe for disaster. That's Stephanie Hill, the executive vice president of Rotary and Mission Systems at Lockheed Martin. Stephanie leads more than 35,000 people who work on more than 1,000 different programs ranging from helicopters to integrated air and missile defense to cyber solutions and beyond. With a legacy spanning over 100 years, Lockheed Martin serves America and its allies by providing the technology required to ensure security and freedom. Lockheed Martin is an industry leader in aeronautics, missile and fire safety, rotary and mission systems, space, and a lot more. In 2008, Stephanie and the team at Lockheed Martin were tasked by the U.S. government to adapt its missile defense system, the Aegis Weapon System, to take out that satellite that was careening toward Earth. How is it possible for a company like Lockheed Martin to have a culture of stepping back and staying calm even at the most tense, perilous moment? Find out on this episode of Business X Factors. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Content Strategy at Mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success and how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run and what's so special about the people, the culture, and the processes that make it all happen. What is technology for? Our friends at Highland believe technology is for transforming the way you work, for delivering complete information when and where you need it so you can be more agile, more empowered, more connected through each interaction and in every relationship. Highland believes in technology thoughtfully designed to create better customer experiences. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. When Stephanie was growing up, she didn't know any engineers. And she certainly would have never predicted that she'd have a role in stopping objects falling from space. But a COBOL programming elective course in college shaped the trajectory of her whole career. 
It was one of those pivotal moments in her life when she first stepped back to try something new. My parents were both very professional. My mother was a kindergarten teacher. My father was a judge. And I knew a lot of professional people. And I didn't know one engineer. Never had met any. And so I was really good at math. And I was going to be an accountant because that's what I knew. So I took that elective. I said, oh, my gosh, this was really a lot of fun. And I said, let me take another course. And I took another course. And then I literally did not declare computer science as my major until my junior year because I was loving what I was doing, but I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And so I was so grateful that my parents, while they didn't know what it was either, <laughs> but they supported me so much that they said, you can do whatever you want to do if you're willing to work hard and treat people well. I have always wanted to make a difference. I know it was because of who my parents were. My mother was this kindergarten teacher whose students remember her today. And she hasn't worked since I was born. Think about the impact of that, right? And she's 91. My father was, before a judge, he was a civil rights attorney in the 50s and 60s. And so I have a rich history of expectation. While my parents said, you can do anything in the world that you want to do, there's also expectations and you better do something that makes a difference. By choosing engineering, Stephanie opened herself up to a career that overflowed with opportunity to make an impact. After college, she secured a position at Lockheed Martin, and it was there that she really began to hone her abilities and leave her mark. Stephanie was drawn in by the company's culture of collaboration. We work together. You're debating, you're theorizing, you're trying things out, you're making mistakes and failing, and you're picking yourselves back up, and you're figuring out how to get it done. When I found Lockheed Martin, and my first assignment was to work on the Mark 41 vertical launching system, which revolutionized the way the U.S. Navy fights and is still relevant today. I found a place where there is a continual opportunity to make a difference. Making a substantial positive difference in the world doesn't just happen. It takes the fortitude to stand strong and discipline to press forward against gale-like forces of the status quo. It also takes a little bit of serendipity, like taking an elective class and finding a deep passion. At Lockheed Martin, Stephanie not only found opportunities to explore her passions, she also found opportunities to grow and push the envelope. There is a false perception perpetuated by a status quo mentality that the best leaders are those that seamlessly fit in with their institutions. This, of course, is a fallacy. Stephanie has come to believe that leaders with an outsider mentality make the greatest difference. These sorts of leaders who are willing to step back and ask questions are desired at Lockheed Martin. When I've looked at some transformational leaders who measured by their organization and how incredibly those organizations have done, often in a Harvard Business Review article had this analysis too, often they have been outsiders to the industry and they've come in. And when I read through that, I said, I'm not sure it was so much that they were outsiders coming into an industry that made them so transformational but that it was because they were outsiders, they asked all kinds of questions. You might've thought they were dumb questions or somebody in the organization would have said, oh, I can't ask that because that's a dumb question. But because they did this and they showed that kind of vulnerability 
it allowed the whole organization to do that. And I can tell you on in our Rotary Mission Systems business, we're really working on creating that space where it is clear. It's not just that you have a voice at the table, but we are thirsty for your voice at the table, especially if it doesn't agree with us. Creating this sort of disruptive questioning environment is born from the leaders at Lockheed Martin, those elevating their voices and raising concerns, suggesting changes need to be made regardless of what has been done before or what has worked in the past. As a leader, you can't sit at that table and and be the smartest person in the room, even if you are the smartest person in the room, because you're not going to get that input from the team. I have webcasts every quarter. And in one of the webcasts, I just come from doing a series of Zoom roundtables all across the business, hearing from our workforce things that we needed to work on for them. And in one of my webcasts, I invited four of those people who participated in the roundtables. And I said, let's talk about that experience and let's talk about the issue that you brought forward. And three of the people that we brought, we were able to take action or we had already taken action or whatever. One person we brought with great intention that we didn't have a good answer yet. We were just stumped. And we brought that person on with very deliberately to say, we don't have all the answers and we appreciate, in this case, this person bringing this forward. It's a big issue. And I'm we're putting it out there. We're committed to finding the solution. But we need your voice and because we might not always get it right. And while they won't get it right every day, Stephanie knows that elevating everyone's voice is what will carry them closer to that goal. A vital part of this is encouraging diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Often these terms are used interchangeably, but Stephanie points out that there are levels to these concepts, with the highest goal being to ensure everyone always belongs. Another passion of mine is the idea of inclusion and belonging. I'm passionate about it and curious about it, not as a bystander, but as someone who understands that in order for us to move so that we clearly are showing value for every person, I have to play a role with my actions, with my words, and it has to be consistent and meaningful, and it has to be fully inclusive. I said inclusion, diversity, but I also said belonging. And just to give you a context of what I mean by that, and I'm stealing this from a friend of mine where he described it as this. He said, diversity is being asked to the dance. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Mm. And belonging is dancing like nobody's watching. I love that. I love it too. (laughs) And so when you get to that, and, and I think it's so tightly linked to what a company like Lockheed Martin does every day, the innovation that you get when you have that. I'm really curious about that. And I am a willing an active participant in bringing that to fruition. Diversity sharpens perspectives and therefore creates an environment of increased innovation. Lockheed Martin must constantly innovate to support the protection of the United States and its allies. One current area of innovation is in using artificial intelligence to support the warfighter. With today's technology, 
there are sensors that are providing so much data to the warfighter, so much of it all at one time that it can be very difficult, if not impossible, to process in a timely fashion. Imagine an operator trying to distinguish what kind of ship is this, as an example. Think about getting all that data and having AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning, being able to take that part of the work off the table for that operator. Crunching all that data, the AI can just say, here's what that is, you know what that is. And so now you can go and you can do something more complex with your your human brain. Perpetual innovation to create solutions for customers is essential at Lockheed Martin. And constantly innovating to meet customers' needs is only possible because of established trust. If you've got a bunch of folks who are together and everybody's agreeing with each other and you're just walking along, you're not going to get the most innovation. But the other piece of that is, if we go back, Jeremy, is you're also not going to get that innovation and you're not going to get people tussling and being willing to put every idea out on the table and, and disagree, I'll say, without being disagreeable, if you're not working on an environment of inclusion and belonging. I mean, imagine if you've got a group of brilliant people and the environment is one where there's no trust. People are feeling like, well, I've got this great idea, but I know they're not going to listen to it. Imagine the innovation in that team or in that organization. And then imagine an organization where there is trust out the wazoo. You would you trust your team members implicitly and you know that they want to hear your perspective. They don't hear your ideas. And they also know that a dissenting opinion is the best thing to bring forward. And they're going to be hungry for it. And they're going to be willing to get into dialogue. Imagine the innovation that flows through that organization. Imagine what that team can create. There's just no comparison. Creating a sense of belonging for all team members is valued at Lockheed Martin. And this creates trust. Yet disruption is valued as well. In fact, disruption is a major goal. But how can you establish a sense of belonging while also creating a drive for disruption that both come together for a positive result? How is stepping back the first step in moving forward, even when the stakes are so high, like a spy satellite crashing to Earth? Find out after the break. If you run a business, you have information. Loads and loads of information across different channels, systems, and silos. How can you connect the dots to make sure the right information gets to the right people who need it? Highland helps more than half of the Fortune 100 companies do just that by providing them with the tools they need to digitally transform and create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D dot com slash insights. So we know the spy satellite gets taken out in the end. That's not a movie spoiler. It's history. Honors have already been awarded. The real question is, how does a company get to mission accomplished in such a pressure-filled situation? Although they're important, 
The answer can't simply be reduced to the technical details. What is it about the company's culture that leads it to success? Part of that answer can be found in a decision surrounding a helicopter technology Sikorsky invested in more than a decade ago that now has the opportunity to revolutionize Army aviation. As the U.S. Army transforms into a multi-domain force, they turned to industry to help them modernize their entire helicopter fleet in program known as Future Vertical Lift. Sikorsky is now competing for the chance to deliver their transformational capabilities to the Army. If you turn on the television and look at the news, you can see how quickly things are changing. And so it is imperative for us to step back. So I'll give you an example, and this is a Sikorsky example. Sikorsky has had a long practice of looking at what are the next big things that we should focus on from a rotary wing perspective. What are those next big things? And what one of the things that they identified a number of years ago was that they needed to focus on something called X2 technology, which is an incredible technology that allows very high speed, twice as fast as a regular helicopter, incredible maneuverability and survivability. And they had this vision 10 years ago. And they made that big bet. They invested disproportionately on that technology. And now we have a program for the U.S. Army called Future Vertical Lift, where the technology that the brilliant, innovative engineers came up with is the exact right solution for the Army's Future Vertical Lift program. But Sikorsky had to make that big bet. They had to step back and say, I'm going to disrupt my, because ultimately this Future Vertical Lift will be a big part of the Black Hawk program. So imagine that, you know, the Black Hawk all around the is the most capable helicopter in the world. And we said, boy, what's next? And how do we get to that next? And how do we disrupt ourselves? And if you don't step back, if you just keep on moving, thinking you've got this and you've got everything right, you're going to miss a lot. It's an alternative universe. Lockheed Martin could have rested on its previous accomplishments and continued with the status quo as the safe bet. That wasn't an option in our real world, though. There were needs that had to be addressed and customers who were counting on technology that would keep humans safe now and in the future. You can't meet those needs by running on a treadmill. You have to step left or right and back and forward to see the whole picture and the other paths forward that will ultimately serve the customers best. In order to meet customer needs in this way, Lockheed Martin bet big on that new helicopter technology. And who is the customer that bet is serving? You heard Stephanie Wright, a little organization called the U.S. Army. So the question we're left with is this. What allows Lockheed Martin to anticipate its customers' needs and then act accordingly? When they step off the treadmill, how do they know whether to go left, right, or even diagonally? We have a tagline that says, your mission is ours at Lockheed Martin. And I call it a tagline. It's really, it's our ethos. And so we take a disproportionate amount of time to really step back and understand the intricacies of our customers' missions and how we might be able to bring to bear the fullness of Lockheed Martin to that problem set. And so 
I do a lot of talking with customers. I do more listening than I do talking. I want to hear from them the things that we need to improve on. And then I have a responsibility, me and my leadership team, to to take that information back into the workforce, into the business, and to share that so we can make sure that we're investing in the right things to be able to deliver the capability. When Lockheed Martin steps back, it does so strategically. It's to listen to customers so they can use all their resources to deliver exactly what the customer needs. This mentality comes from cultivating team members who are leaders, unafraid to ask questions and disrupt the status quo. It's about looking to the future and partnering with customers to achieve their ends. How does Lockheed Martin address priority, right? What's more important? There's far-reaching scope of services provided around the world, every branch of the military, international support, technology. How do you decide what's more important? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people saying, hey, Stephanie, we got to go over here because there's a rocket flying towards the earth. Or, hey, Stephanie, if our pilots don't get this particular technology, then they're going to suffer. And so how do you navigate that prioritizing? Again, it, it all starts with listening to the customer. We are focused on them first. So what are their most pressing needs? What are their highest priorities? And we align with their highest priorities. Then we take it in and we say, given these priorities and given the gaps that they might have, how do our either current capabilities, our investments, our innovation align with those? And then, you know, we make a decision that way. But it all starts with looking at what the customer's mission is. When I think about Lockheed Martin and our over 100 years of making a difference and really securing the world is what I really think is in our lifeblood. We feel a real responsibility to make sure we're looking to the future. And what we think is going to be the future, and you, you're you talking about that innovation, you're talking about the challenge in that. We're not only doing that inside of Lockheed Martin, but we are partnering with our customers in experiments, connecting things in ways that they've never been connecting, showing our customers what's in the realm of the possible, all around this idea of joint all domain operations. And that encompasses and really sets the stage for full 21st century warfighting. So we're committed to making sure that for the next hundred years, we are a mission focused customer partner to bring capability to the warfighter that they've just never had before. Remember that spy satellite? Of course you do. How could anyone forget? There are three numbers to consider. The first is six weeks. That's the approximate amount of time that Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and the U.S. government had to avert this catastrophe. The second number is 10 seconds. That's the window of time the Navy had to fire the missile from the USS Lake Erie. The last number is 10,000. That's the quantity of simulations required to get the job done. At worst, it's human and therefore institutional nature to panic in the face of a crisis. If panic is held at bay, it's common to just plod forward and hope to stumble onto a solution. But that's not a path to successfully complete the mission. Lockheed Martin's X factor is to step back and listen to the client, reassess their needs, and then disrupt themselves and the world. Now, if this was a movie, here's the Hollywood twist. Stephanie actually wrote code for the launcher that shot down that wayward satellite. At Lockheed Martin, heroism is collectively developed at a place where there are many people like Stephanie. 
and where they're encouraged to question everything, listen intently to their customers, and then to disrupt and to innovate to create for the future. I don't know about you, but when I have a decision to make, I look for information. I may look through emails, documents, photos, and files in multiple places. And if I'm lucky, I find what I'm looking for. So it's amazing to me that while I have trouble finding a single file, some organizations' success hinges on making sure that the right people can get all the right information they need when and where they need it. Like hospitals, insurers, banks, and all sorts of businesses. I don't know how they do it, but our friends at Highland do. Highland empowers more than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies with tools that help make sure the right information gets to the right folks easily and automatically and makes business processes smarter and more efficient. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors, created by Mission.org and brought to you by Highland. If you like this show, please be sure you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app. I'd be so grateful if you rated and reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts, as that really helps ensure that more amazing listeners like you find the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factors.